0: Welcome to episode number 123 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, I will be talking with Monica Morales, who is a water engineer for Jacobs based in Los Angeles. This is the first episode in a special series we are publishing entitled Women in Civil Engineering. In this episode, we will focus on the importance of inclusion and diversity in engineering. Monica will talk about sustainability through STEM outreach, which she is amazing at, and also just in general, the importance of women in engineering. And I have to say, Monica has a ton of energy and she's doing amazing things. And what you'll hear through this episode is while she's serving her community and serving young people interested in engineering, she's also building amazing leadership skills for herself. It's a really great story and I'm excited to share with you. I am your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled "Engineer Your Own Success, and have traveled the world helping engineers. And through this podcast, myself and my co-host, Chris Knutson, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. Here at the Engineering Management Institute, we believe that in order to be the best civil engineer you can be, you must consistently get better. Get better at your craft, your people skills, and as a leader. And that's why we publish this free podcast to help you do just that. I do have to say that Monica Morales is the perfect first guest for this series of women in civil engineering. She has a tremendous amount of energy. She's doing amazing things at such a young age. After the interview, I was so inspired and energized. I wanted to go out and start speaking for kids on engineering and doing all types of stuff. Perfect person. Excited to share the interview with you. Why are we doing this series on women in civil engineering? For me, as the founder of the Engineering Management Institute, I've been doing content now for 10 plus years for engineers, our platform is growing tremendously. And here at EMI, we want to use the platform to do good work in this space. And I feel that inclusion and diversity is important. I believe that having women in civil engineering is important. We need different perspectives, we need different stories. And if we can shine a light on that through our content, then we want to do that. And quite frankly, I mentioned this in the interview, a lot of civil engineering firms out there, you go to their website and you click on the About Us or the leadership page, and it's just all men still that aren't like that. And there's We've made a lot of progress, but there still are too many, in my opinion, like that. And so finding the monikas of the world out there, giving them some light and exposing them hopefully will help to propel them. And they're going to propel themselves, but if anything we can do to help with our content and platform, we're willing to. To do that. So let me tell you a little bit more about Monica before we jump in here. She currently serves as the secretary and the incoming president-elect for the American Society of Civil Engineers Los Angeles Younger Member Forum, a dynamite group. She very much enjoys volunteering in her free time to do STEAM outreach for K-12 students, especially first generation college students and underserved students and girls like herself growing up. To help inspire more students to pursue STEM careers and to continue to diversify the STEM workforce in order to better serve our diverse public. Within Jacobs, she is the global lead of the newly launched STEAM Partnership Program for Enlace, Jacobs employee network supporting its Latino employees, where she is aiding offices around the world to organize STEAM outreach events for students. Before we get started, this is a free show, and our sponsors help us keep it free. So please support them. Now, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Mazer Consulting. A big thank you to EMI's newest podcast sponsor, Mazer Consulting, a privately owned multidiscipline engineering firm with 950 employees in 32 offices nationwide and growing fast. Mazer Consulting's engineers, planners, surveyors, landscape architects, and environmental scientists provide professional services to a diverse client base across the public and private sectors. Headquartered in New Jersey with projects coast to coast, Mazur's offices are strategically positioned to provide comprehensive services to meet their clients' needs. Mazur Consulting is committed to the success of their clients and employees, and I also know that Mazur has their own women's organization within their firm to help empower their female team members, which I know they're passionate about, and that's why I'm sure they're excited to sponsor this specific series as well. Now, I'll tell you more about Mazer Consulting a little bit later on in this episode. I also just want to mention we are building a diagnostic tool at EMI, the Current Management Abilities Potential Diagnostic Tool, to help you as an engineering professional identify your strengths, but then some of the areas that you need to work on. How do we know this? For the last few years, we've been surveying thousands of engineers, asking them what makes great managers, meaning their managers. Have they had a great manager? Why? And so we've gone through, we've hired a data analytics company, and we've been able to identify four key drivers of great engineering managers that they've exhibited. And now we've built a diagnostic tool to help firms and individual engineers kind of diagnose themselves. The tool will be ready towards the end of this year, but right now we're doing a case study that you can be a part of. You can go through the diagnostic tool and get the feedback in a 360 format, meaning your reports and your supervisor can diagnose you as well give you invaluable information to help you become the best possible manager and leader you can be. For information, please email betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Just simply email betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, and Betty in our office will send you the information you need to take the case study and use the diagnostic tool to your advantage. All right, with that, let's jump into our civil engineering conversation of the week with Monica Morales. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now I'm excited to welcome our guest for today, Monica Morales, who is a water engineer for Jacobs based in its Los Angeles office. Monica, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Anthony. It's a pleasure.
0: Monica, before we jump in here, I just want to thank you for coming on. This is the first episode in this women in civil engineering series that we're doing because you know we do want to highlight women in civil engineering. We think it's important and there are a lot of great women doing great things. And I've been connected to you for quite a while on LinkedIn and I see all the great things you're doing, which we're going to talk about, not just in your job as a civil engineer, but in the community representing the profession. So first of all, just congratulations for all the great stuff you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a definitely a group and team effort. I'm not the only one.
0: So let's talk a little bit about yourself before we dive into the, some of the points I want to ask you about. Explain for our audience what you do on a day-to-day basis as a civil engineer right now for Jacobs.
1: As a civil engineer, I'm in the water world of things where I dabble more technically in the conveyance and storage aspect, designing pipelines and pump stations to get water to and from places, usually from a treatment plant to the distribution system or people's homes. Right now, I'm on a pretty high-level study of water resources here in the greater Los Angeles area to figure out how to create for more sustainable water resources, more independent water resources, so that if we should ever suffer a drought again, as long as we did in the past, we have some more local water resources that we can pull from from being um, recycled water from our own treatment plants. That way we can replenish our groundwater and continue to create for a thriving Los Angeles. So that's been really exciting to be a part of just because it's changing the possibilities for the future and making it so all the jobs that are here can be sustained.
0: There are so many interesting and exciting disciplines and sub of civil engineering, but I would have to imagine that Being a water engineer in Los Angeles, it's just got so many interesting aspects to it and so many different things that you see in every day, and it must be just a real interesting career.
1: Oh, completely. And it's always so complicated with how many people are here, how much infrastructure is here, and then all of the the climate aspects as well. So it's definitely made for some challenging and really interesting work.
0: All right. So let's jump in here a little bit. Some of the points that I want to go over. One of the things we really want to focus on in kind of our discussion here is inclusion and diversity, which is extremely important in all professions, but especially in civil engineering, because that's where we're focused on today, of course. But first of all, in some of our kind of preparation for this podcast, you said that you're a statistically improbable engineer. What does that mean? Tell us about that statement.
1: On so many fronts. I'm female. I'm Hispanic or Latina. I am a first-generation college student. I was a low-income student growing up. My parents do not have any formal education, and just coming from a family where there's a lot of uh, native Spanish speakers and English was their second language, and just coming from that background, so for uh, speaking solely in statistics, there's only 14.5% of women employed as engineers in the United States. And also there's only 7% men and women that identify as Latina or Hispanic employed as engineers in the United States. From that, being Latina, a Latina engineer, I make up only 1% of those employed as engineers in the United States.
0: That is statistically improbable. (laughs) Yeah. Congratulations. It sounds like there's just a lot of, not necessarily things you had to overcome, but it wasn't probably an easy route for you and you're doing amazing things. So first and foremost, again, it's great and it's good for other people to hear you and the success that you've had, in my opinion, because there we want that percentage to hopefully grow. That's kind of the point of, in my opinion, of inclusion and diversity is to diversify the industry. What you're doing in terms of getting out there in the community with whether it's Jacobs or whether it's the ASCE, YMF in Los Angeles, which is an amazing group. And I know that you are going to be taken over as president-elect soon in that group. It's good. We just need you to keep doing that. We need younger engineers to keep doing that. But it is interesting, though, when you really talk about the statistics, because I don't think a lot of civil engineers understand that, that there's just a small amount of, there's not a lot of diversity. <laughs> the only way to say it, really.
1: Sometimes we are in our bubbles, like here in Los Angeles, it's so diverse. And even within the Younger Member Forum here in Los Angeles for ASEE, we're a very diverse group, but broad scale across the United States, that isn't the case everywhere. We could be better so represented in, in the terms that, you know, our public is diverse and we should be representative of the public we serve. If we are able to establish that, then innovation, ethics, all of that will improve because we're going to better know our client.
0: Exactly. And that's kind of what I wanted to do here in this first episode where we're highlighting women in civil engineering just talk about that, you know, the importance of inclusion and diversity. I mean, there's lots of reasons you just stated a few that it's important. I think another important aspect of inclusion and diversity is. Just all the different perspectives, right? When you have different people from different backgrounds, different stories, different ethnicities. The thing about civil engineering is that it's very much a people, as much as it's engineering it's analytical, it's really a people profession. We deal on teams, we're in the community, we're going to public meetings, right? So the more diversity we have, the more perspective we have. And as you said, in order for us to solve some of the world's biggest challenges, we need innovation which comes, from my opinion, from various perspectives.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And also being able to create trust within you know, the engineering community and the public we serve, being able to see things like-mindedly helps to create that trust. So just like building relationships there. There's just endless positive outcomes from it.
0: In terms of thinking of how we can improve the diversity in the industry, there's multiple ways that we can do it, but we need to highlight those in our industry already that are doing things, but we also need to kind of inspire the underserved students. I guess, kind of as you said earlier, the statistically improbable, those that have this statistics against them and all these barriers against them. What can we do in that regard to help them to pursue STEM careers and to get the word about engineering out there to them?
1: I was one of those kids that didn't have the privilege of hearing from an engineer. I didn't know what engineering was until I was choosing my major. And that was because, you know, luckily an engineer, my mother and father work in casinos as uh, blackjack dealers. So there's an engineer who sat down at my mom's blackjack table and she got him going in conversation about his line of work and she knew that i really loved math and science as well as many other subjects in school i was figuring out what i wanted to do where it was ranging from fashion design to becoming a doctor so when she got him going about you know what he does how he has a stable income has a stable career that's always needed and the amount of people he's able to help through applying math and science she felt like i would really enjoy that aspect because of Things I was looking at. I needed, you know, stability. My parents weren't wealthy enough to support my artistic abilities, unless I wanted to be, you know, a starving artist type. And I felt like that was going to be a little difficult. And with um, going the medicine route, I knew that was going to be a minimum of eight years, where that route and schooling is pretty expensive. And again, we were low income, so I really had to rely on my academic scholarships that I was going to be receiving and minimize. Tuition. So when she came home saying, Oh, yeah, you can just do four years and to earn an engineering degree. So, Monica, you should Google what engineering is. So I did that right away. I hopped on the computer, Googled what it was, and then saw all these different kinds of engineering. Chose civil engineering to start uh, just because I saw it all the time. I related to it, and um, that's what led me down that path. So by Learning the different aspects and seeing how it was really, uh, you know, opportune for me and someone like me that I could do it. And by getting scholarships as a female in engineering, as well as, you know, minority in engineering, my school, Oregon State University, really supported that. Even despite, you know, people saying, well, you're going to be one of the few women or it's going to be really hard. I was like, well, I'm already doing really hard classes, really challenging classes in high school. And that doesn't really scare me. I want to challenge myself. When I go to other schools, we definitely make sure to hit Title I Tier 1 schools, which are majority low-income students and underserved schools with underserved students. So those tend to have larger people of color. Again, low-income, so generally uh, first-generation college students. So by being able to share my story and then being able to see someone and relate to someone with a similar background or just by looking at me, I feel like it's, it means the world to them to be able to say like, hey, she did it. I relate to her on a couple things, so I can do it too. So it's just like being able to have that positive inspiration in that hey they did it they seem like a normal person i always lead with i'm not a genius but i'm a hard worker so if you want to put in the hard work you can do anything and a stem career path uh, science technology engineering mathematics is a really good way to apply math and sciences if you really like those aspects as well as english and writing Because we have to be able to communicate, you know, our thoughts and ideas. If you're able to be that kind of holistic professional, then you're gonna do so well in engineering or any STEM career path that you choose. So remember that your differences make you powerful. And when you put your mind to something, there's no limit to what you can do. It's you yourself that can stop you.
0: That's the word that we need to get out there and I think it's great what you're saying in that if people see someone like yourself who, as you said before, you're a statistically improbable engineer, if they see someone like you that has made it as an engineer and become an engineer and is doing great things as an engineer, it can certainly inspire them. However, a couple of things that you did say there is some what worries me. Like, for example, when you said like someone mentioned it to your parents, thankfully, the word engineer, right? Because then that was able to help you look into it. But for the students, like we don't want to have People have to hope that something like that happens, right? And that's why we need to get the word out there on a wider basis, which is one of the things you're doing. And I know there are other people that are doing that as well. ASCE has done a lot with the Dream Big movie. Menzer Palevin, who's been on the show before, you know, her story is very inspiring as well. And it was great to talk to her about that. And then the other thing that you said too, that is also something that women have to deal with, and I know this kind of firsthand, my wife is also a civil engineer and we went to school together, is you will have to potentially hear things like you said, where you might be the only woman in your class. And again, those are hurdles that people need to be strong and confident in themselves to be able to overcome that in many times. So it's great to have you, Monica, out there, but we always need to continue to have more and more people. I know a lot of people do a lot of things with related to STEM, which is great. And we just need to keep that up and try to make it something that is just more consistent. And like I said, Dream Big's been great. Having people out like in the big markets like yourself is great. I think we just need to keep doing it. I mean, are you seeing more of this, more STEM work through some of your colleagues and through different communities out there?
1: Yeah, and even in movies targeted towards children. I mean, I see at bus stations, She Can Stem and So Can You, uh, advertisements for these new movies. And I know I'm in Los Angeles, so I see more advertising for movies than a typical city would. I remember when I first moved here, I thought it was cool and comical that you know there's billboards just for Netflix specials. There has been a bigger push for that, and I'm really appreciative of that because I feel like it's, being able to reach a larger audience. And then again, with like what you said, with Dream Big, now being on Netflix as well, it's able to reach a larger audience too. It's just, like you said, we got to get the word out there. That way people actually watch that movie or tap into it and realize that it is good for kids as well as adults. And it's so inspirational. And it's not, you know, techie or boring, that it has, you know, that personal touch personal backgrounds to it that really grabs a larger demographic whenever i show that movie to kids i notice that the girls they really perk up when they get to see the the personal stories like when menzer is hugging somebody in the village that suffered from the earthquake uh, that's when the girls really pay attention and with a larger portion of the boys, they get really excited when they get to see the hyperloop go super fast and the graphic that they show. So it it does a really good job of showing different aspects of engineering in order to make more people interested. Even if as engineers, we just kind of talk about our profession with more people on day to day, like say you go to a bar and you know, you get into a conversation with someone, tell them about your job. Maybe they didn't really know about engineering or all that entails. I always make, well, I don't make it a point, but when somebody asks me, I'm really proud to say that I'm an engineer because I know that they're going to be so shocked to hear that answer. Like when I sit next to a stranger at the airport, and we get into a conversation. Usually one of those talking points is, oh, what do you do for your day job? And then I get to say that I'm an engineer and I get to see their facial expression because they, they didn't size me up to be be in that. So they're always like, oh, that's so cool. And then they feel comfortable enough to ask you some more questions about what it really means because, you know, you've been engaging with them. I feel like that's one thing that some engineers can do a better job at is speaking more layman's terms, making sure that it's conversational about what you're talking about. Um, That way people don't get lost in the weeds as to, you know, what it is that you do. I have an easier time with it because my parents didn't go to college or, you know, they don't have that techie background. So I have to figure out ways to explain, you know, what it is that I'm doing to them. That's one of the reasons why I say like, yeah, I designed pipelines and pump stations to get water to and from places and over mountains and all the obstacles. So they're like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. So I'm still trying to find more ways to better explain what it is that I do in simple enough terms that anybody can understand. So I feel like we can make it as a point as engineers to be more conversational about our careers instead of just leave it at work.
0: I want to go down that road a little bit with you in a minute in terms of it related to STEM and how to, if someone's listening and they really want to get more involved with STEM, things they can do. Cause I know you've done a lot of work with that. But before we transition into more of that, kind of staying on the inclusion and diversity topic for a minute, there are a lot of civil engineering firms. I mean, we've made a lot of progress, I think, in civil engineering, but there's still a long way to go. And I know that there are a lot of firms out there that their leadership is still primarily male. and. We have a lot of leaders of civil engineering companies that listen to the show. And, you know, what would kind of your message to them be in terms of diversifying and why they should diversify and start to diversify the leadership?
1: Such a good point. And it's so relative to what's happening at my own company. So I worked at CH2M Hill, CH2M, and we were acquired by Jacobs. So at CH2M, we had a female CEO who came from a background of engineering. And then with Jacobs, when they acquired us, a large percentage of the executive staff were male and only few were people of color. They realized that that was something that they need to work on. And there is this huge initiative to be able to increase representation. I don't remember the statistic off the top of my head, but when we went over it our Jacobs employee network called Women's Network, and we had a big summit where we all met at our headquarters in Dallas. And they started off the summit with these statistics about how back in 2015, the percentage of women representative at executive levels or vice president, et cetera, and what it looks like today. So there has been increases in them, especially in the executive level, where it has increased to over sixty percent. But a lot of the other areas, there's still a lot of room for improvement. And so there's these initiatives through uh, hiring to be more cognizant of people of color, of females, um, in order to better increase that percentage. So there's been a movement from our leadership to make that a goal to increase our diverse numbers, and make it so, you know, all those below them are cognizant of that and make it a goal themselves. So we have all these different employee networks that represent underrepresented staff, including Enlace Employee Network, which I'm a global STEAM outreach programs lead for, which is a new program that we have launched. And it serves our Latino employees and it's a great group and a great network to be in. So having those employee networks has also been essential in retention, as well as providing like more leadership roles to those that are underrepresented in the engineering workforce or companies at large. Having that initiative and push from leadership and executive staff, as well as nourishing those employee groups, has been really helpful in in making that a common and company goal of putting inclusion diversity at the forefront. So I feel like with companies that are struggling with diversity, first you just got to make a goal towards it, and then next, support the staff that you do have that represent those low statistics. And um, continue to try to grow and put forth, you know, the inclusion diversity initiative. Another thing that we do is we have a week dedicated to inclusion diversity, which is really fun. So the office gets to come together and organize some events. And so last year, we celebrated our first annual inclusion diversity week here in Los Angeles, you know, mariachis are very popular. so, We had some mariachis come and play for the office during our happy hour. So that was really, really great.
0: Really the takeaway from everything you just said there to me is that it has to really be a focused effort.
1: Yes, completely.
0: It can't be something where you just say, we want to diversify. You need to have a a very focused effort around it. It has to be an initiative and there has to be multiple people focused on it and working on it together.
1: Yeah, exactly. And People listen to their leaders and there is that middle management. It seems like the bottom gets it, the top gets it, and that's, it's that middle management that has to be pushed forward to be on board. I feel like that's probably with most companies in order to get middle management on board and feel like it's really worthwhile rather than you know, their task at hand and what they're getting paid for. So it's you know looking beyond the day-to-day task and then how can I actually make staff happy? How can we make this a fun environment to work in? That quote of, we train them well enough so they can leave, but they're treated so well that they don't want to.
0: For those of you out there listening, thinking that your company maybe needs to focus on this a little bit more, you know, be the one to take the lead. I've seen a lot of companies... The way they get started on focusing more on inclusion and diversity is to start up a committee where they get some people together and they start to think about things they can do. So it's one of those opportunities for you in your career to do something, to change your company or to improve your company or to even, you may already have inclusion and diversity in your company, but you may just want to improve it. So those are some things that you can think about doing. All right. So now let's transfer back a little bit or transition back into the STEM. Because you've done a lot of STEM work. And I think while we have you, we should talk a little bit about that because I know that there are a lot of civil engineers out there who want to do STEM work, who maybe want to do it through their association. And I know that one of the things that you like to do is to make STEM activities fun for students. So maybe you could talk about that.
1: How do you make it so kids actually want to pay attention and be engaged? You have to make it fun. And, you know, you can do that just through your words and your body language to get them interested. If it's just a presentation, making sure that there's lots of photos and pictures in the presentation that they can absorb in fun colors. And then with the activities themselves, how can they use their hands to build something themselves using their own thought processes in order to be proud of at the end result, no matter, you know, if it works or if it doesn't work. And making it also materials that they could replicate at home, making them simple enough tape and paper, or spaghetti and gumdrops, or other candy to build things. And again, that's in the structural aspect. And if for the water aspect, how can you make a water filter device with just cotton balls, sand, and uh, coffee filters? You have the engineering um, topic at large, and then through the activity, there's a lot on uh, discovery.org that are good basis for fun activities to do. So I've been able to take those, adapt them to the group that I'm working with to make them more challenging or to make them a little easier. So again, you have to think, are these elementary school students, middle school students, or high school students, and, you know, what's going to keep them engaged and what difficulty level will be appropriate. And at the beginning and the end, always explain that you only fail when you give up. And no matter how hardworking, intelligent, or diligent an engineer is, they are always going to mess up. Um, There's a never perfect first try. So with the students knowing that, to start their activities, they feel more willing just to give it a shot rather than shy to try anything because they're too scared about doing it wrong. I feel like that's such an important thing to get out of the way. That way they feel more comfortable just doing something and trying it, even if it doesn't work the first time. And sometimes when it doesn't work, it's more fun. Uh, Like if you have a structure to hold up a bowl of marbles, those marbles fall. Oh my gosh, the kids have so much fun seeing those marbles scatter and then having to collect them again, fix, you know, their pipeline that they just created from PVC pipe and fittings and then fix the leak, construct it, and then run the marbles or convey the marbles through. So, you know, the more support that they can get, the better time that they will have.
0: And I've learned that just myself. Also, being a parent is that whenever you want to teach kids something or explain something to them, the more fun you can inject into it or games. It's just helpful. And I've done some STEM stuff myself. In fact, my mom's a math teacher and I went to her class and I basically just brought some pieces of paper. I cut out some squares for buildings and some circles for trees. And I had them lay out a site and just explain some of the restrictions in terms of the environment and things of that nature. And they would just loved it. I mean, they just uh, it's kind of like we time them and we let them do it. So you just have to get really creative with it. And the other thing that I'll say, I know this is something that you and I talked about a little bit. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female as a civil engineer and you want to get out there and do STEM work, get out there and do it. But if you are a male and you go out there and you're doing it, think about bringing a woman with you because. What we have to think about is, like Monica said, there is going to be, in the civil engineering world, that's one of the challenges that we face is that there are not a lot of women for different reasons. Like I said, it's getting better. But if there is maybe a female in the audience at your event, they may just feel more comfortable speaking with a civil engineer that's a woman. Or if they see someone like Monica in front of the room, it's going to make them maybe more comfortable and confident in either asking her a question or seeing that she's there. Do you agree with that, Monica?
1: I completely agree. Any chance that you can bring somebody along with you to make your group more diverse, it's a win. It just makes it so you can definitely reach to more students because they see somebody that looks like them.
0: You want to make all the students as comfortable as you possibly can. I think that that's an important part of this. Talk a little bit about drawing girls into STEM specifically, because I know you've done a lot of work there.
1: It's been a crazy few years. And again, this is big kudos to AAC Los Angeles Younger Member Forum that really nourished my ideas and let me go forth. So a lot of it has been through Dream Big and doing events around that. I remember one of the the biggest events for DIY Girls in order to make it like really fun. You know, you have this really grand movie and... We were able to do it at LA Metro headquarters, which is really grand. It's a beautiful venue. And so thinking of Los Angeles and Hollywood, you have that, you know, star glamour kind of approach. And you think of the Oscars and the red carpet. So I know we used a red carpet for our Western Regional Young Member Council conference that we hosted here in Los Angeles. And I wanted to reuse it for the girls. Who would ever think that you could Uh, mix, engineering, and a red carpet for an event for girls. And it would be a chance for them to dress up in their best dresses or suits, whatever they want to wear. Again, not all girls are girly girls, so you have to think about that aspect as well. They were able to walk the grand red carpet, hear from a panel of female engineers, see the Dream Big movie, and ask as many questions as they wanted and uh, i've worked with the girl scouts so um been able to help staff as like a stem booth at their outdoor events and these girls are learning how to build tents. They're learning how to rock climb, how to roast marshmallows. And then, you know, they come to a STEM booth where they get to build a pipeline as well as woodblock structures. And honestly, the girls come and I think they're pulling my leg or just being extra nice, but they're saying, oh, this was my favorite activity. I'm like, what are you talking about? You just went rock climbing. Are you kidding? You're just trying to be nice, huh? And they're like, no, this was so much fun. And I think it was just because it was something different. Girl Scouts have been really awesome work with because they have these new STEM related badges that the girls can earn. So that's been a really great partnership there. And then there's uh, Girls Excelling in Math and Science, another group in Riverside and um, San Bernardino that have also been really great. And um, we have a day uh, specifically dedicated in Engineers Week for girls. So it's Girl Day as well as Girl Scouts Day that was a new day that I added my first year chairing, um, engineers week. So it's a nice full five days where two of the five days are specifically for girls, which is so much fun. So like glitter slime, anything fun, frilly, and, you know, interesting, um, and challenging. It just makes it, you know, more tangible for girls and they get to see All the female engineer volunteer representatives at these events, I try to get as many as I can. That way, maybe they don't relate so much with one female engineer, but another female engineer, they're just like, oh, she was the coolest. I loved her. And then by the end of these events, the girls feel so comfortable and welcome that, you know, there's so many female engineer volunteers that get so many hugs from these girls that want to be just like them when they grow up. So the more hugs that I see at an event, I feel like the more successful it is.
0: We're talking a lot about all the things that you're doing for the community and your team there, the YMF and other organizations. But I would imagine that just by doing these things, that it really helps you develop yourself personally and professionally because of all the interaction and the planning and everything that goes into these events.
1: Completely. Just like you said, from organizing, making sure that there's an agenda, an agenda that works, from public speaking aspects, you know, these kids, they're going to fall asleep if you aren't creative or uh, making so that you're not doing run-on sentences or not talking about interesting things. Kids aren't as polite as adults, where adults will, you know, cover their mouths when they're yawning. They will sleep if they are tired. So you got to keep them on their toes. So that's made it really helpful for me when um, doing public speaking engagements. I remember we had the, our mayor, Eric Garcetti, for the city of Los Angeles. He was at one of our Engineers Week events for Girl Day. And, you know, I had to speak to 100 students and him in the room you can imagine how nerve-wracking that is, but with all of the practice that I've had, you know, I was able to control those nerves and make it really interesting. So I've been able to translate that to other public speaking engagements. So then I have operations leads of California within Jacobs tell me, oh, I was so impressed with how poised you were speaking at this last event. And you know, it's an event for all adults. So just, it makes you feel like, wow, I've had so much practice." I didn't even realize that, you know, I've gotten to this point where I feel a lot more comfortable. And also with um, interacting with others and coordinating with others, large events take a lot of people to do. You build these skills on how to delegate, what to do yourself, how to manage things appropriately, especially when things aren't getting done, what kind of tone to use. That way you're not coming across as, you know, do this, do this, but more like, please help. And you know, making it so it's an enjoyable process rather than a burdensome one, because you want people to want to help. So the more fun that they have, and the more support they feel like they have in organizing, and the more encouragement you give them after they succeeded in fulfilling an event, and you're there leading and helping along the way, it just makes for more worthwhile. So I can directly coordinate that with project management, like. Okay, we need to get this done. I need your help. here's how we can do it, and then afterwards, make sure to celebrate a nice uh, victory that you get, whether that's going under budget or meeting the schedule, especially if it's a really hard project. Always take time to celebrate your team
0: That's amazing. that's well said and it's just inspiring and you're learning these skills by doing right The best way in my opinion to learn management and leadership is to do it and it's it's great that you're out there and you're doing it and We've covered a lot here so far, of course, in this interview, but Monica is going to stick here with us for a few final minutes, and we're going to put her on the civil engineering hot seat and just ask her a few more questions about her career. So we'll be back in just a minute with that. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time to put Monica Morales on the civil engineering hot seat. And today's hot seat segment is brought to you by our sponsor, Mazer Consulting. Mazer maintains a culture that is nurtured through the promotion of integrity, collaboration, and socialization. Their employees enjoy comfortable work environments, continuous career advancement, and the ability to impact society not only through the projects they work on, but the company-sponsored activities available to them. Mazer Consulting is on the cutting edge of technology, and their opportunistic approach to expansion creates personal and professional growth opportunities across all areas of the firm. Leadership's dedication to the well-being of their employees and their families is demonstrated throughout the wide range of benefits and programs available to them. Mazur Consulting has a civil site group located in their Mount Laurel, New Jersey office, for which they are currently seeking an engineer, project engineer, and project manager. The engineering role would include performing design tasks, such as grading and drainage, associated with civil engineering projects. For the PM role, Mazur is seeking a qualified individual to grow the engineering business. This person will be responsible for developing the site civil engineering discipline in this market, as well as assisting in growing existing disciplines. Main responsibilities include developing business, building a staff, and generating and maintaining clients. All right, so I'm back here with Monica Morales. Monica is a water engineer out in Los Angeles for Jacobs. She's doing some amazing things in the community in terms of STEM, and we talked about inclusion and diversity. But now, Monica, it's time for you to go onto the civil engineering hot seat. You ready? I think so. All right, first question. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or a lunchtime ritual, something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success as a professional?
1: Every weekday, my husband and I are in bed by 9 p.m. No joke. We get our eight hours of sleep. I do not drink coffee. I do not drink caffeine. I get my energy naturally. And I'm pretty sure it's because I get an ample amount of sleep and take care of my brain in that aspect. If it gives me, you know, beauty rest, that's an added bonus. But really, it's just so I have the energy to get through the day. And usually I'm working nine to 10 hours and then able to, you know, get my full amount of sleep. Hopefully, I can keep doing that throughout my career, but that's definitely something that I do daily.
0: That's great. I was going to ask you how you accomplished all these things, and I think that's probably part of it, going to bed early, getting a good night's rest. So That's great. All right, next question. What is one book that you recommend to engineers regularly or just one book that you have found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development?
1: What keeps coming to my mind is my favorite book, which isn't uh, directly applicable to engineering, but it's Born to Run. And how it's helped me personally is just by understanding incredible things that us human beings are capable of, which is running ultramarathons and how to better communicate with those that are native to certain lands and How environmentalism can benefit Native lands as well, where modernization can create some disruption. So I guess how that relates to civil engineering is being mindful of the communities that we're in and really hearing their side of the story and understanding their history. The portion of Born to Run that I'm speaking about is when he is able to explain the culture of the Tarahumara, who run over hundreds of miles a day in in sandals made from uh, recycled tires that have busted in roads nearby. And they're one of the most peaceful tribes in Mexico and are really fascinating people with fascinating culture.
0: That's great. I mean, I've done 123 episodes, and I get a lot of overlap on the books, but I've never—no one said that one yet. So it's "Born to Run: A Hidden Tribe, Super Athletes, and the Greatest Race the World Has Never Seen" by Christopher McDougall. So that sounds like a great one. Next question: In your career, and you don't have to give any names specifically here, but just thinking of the managers that you've had in your career, what's a manager, or which any of your managers that you would consider to be your favorite manager, a great manager? What makes them or what made them a great manager for you?
1: First and foremost, they genuinely care. You know, they're not just giving you lip service and saying, good job, and then the next minute getting really angry about something. They'll tell you how to, like it is, but in a constructive way, instead of just, you know, getting really angry. Also, when you're able to connect personally about similar things that you share, you're able to create, you know, that friendship bond. And then also when they stick up for you, when times get tough, you do something right and somebody dislikes something, they have your back. I feel like all of those aspects have created for, you know, really great managers in my short career of, I don't know, five years, I guess seven years, including grad school. And all of those aspects came into play where Created that personal bond. They were honest with you. They truly cared about you. And they had your back.
0: I talked to a lot of engineers, of course, about this. And the first thing you said, I think, really is important is that they care, right? It's not just about getting the projects done. It's about caring about the people you work with. And people want to work with people that care about them. All right, one final question for you, Monica, and we call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and had to give him or her career advice in that short period of time, what would it be?
1: Get out of your comfort zone and network, meet new people, work on your communication skills. The more that we're able to talk about what we do in a concise manner, the better we'll be at our jobs as a whole. Just working on the communication as well as getting outside of your comfort zone and meeting some new people.
0: Pushing yourself to where you're uncomfortable is always the best way to grow. And sound advice, take that. And if you do that, you will definitely start to, start to have some success. And really, this is what we've talked about this entire episode, which is get out there, whether it's helping your company to take on inclusion and diversity, whether it's getting out there and doing more STEM events, whatever it is, just go out there and do it. And Monica, I'm sure people can find you on LinkedIn and kind of follow your journey because I know you post quite a bit of stuff, which is great as well. Really, Monica, you're doing a lot of great things. I mean, I feel energized just by you know sitting here and kind of listening to you talk about all the things you are doing and your, and your group is doing out there in LA. And it sounds to me like an important aspect of everything you're doing in terms of STEM and diversity. It sounds to me like it's just, it's really contributing to your happiness as a civil engineer.
1: Completely. The more people oriented I can make my work, the happier I am. I'm the most happy when I'm serving others and making them happy. And it's just something that I figured out about myself. So It just brings me the most happiness by being able to contribute to my community at large, especially with something that I found is really important. And in the fact that I am a statistically improbable engineer and I can help with changing that in our engineering workforce in the future.
0: That's a perfect place for us to end there. And just on an ending note, what I just want to say to all civil engineers listening to this episode is. All of the things that Monica's doing, like I said earlier, they're great things. She's doing great things for the community. She has goals around this. But through all of this, she's also helping herself, her career, just by second nature because she's leading, she's managing, she's putting together events, she's speaking. And so I know sometimes as civil engineers, we get so busy and bogged down with our projects that sometimes we feel like we don't have time to get out there and do some of these other things. But I promise you, if you take the time to do them, it's actually also helping you and your career in the long run in ways that you don't even realize. So please, let's take this inspiration from Monica and, and kind of go out there and get out there in the community. Monica, thank you so much. I know you got so many things going on, but you're taking the time here today to talk to our listeners about all of these important topics. I just I couldn't be more thankful. Thank you for spending some time with us today.
1: Thank you so much, Anthony, for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Monica Morales, a young civil engineer who's doing amazing things. I think she can inspire us all to do more than we're doing now. And she did really inspire me and really get this Women in Civil Engineering series off on the right foot. And the one thing I'll say about this series is this series is meant to highlight women in civil engineering and help to broaden inclusion and diversity in the field for sure. But that's not what we're going to talk about on every episode we want these women to bring the value that they give to their firms and their clients to the podcast and talk about their specific technical expertises and other things they're doing maybe outside of that that are different in the world of civil engineering. And so if you know someone, you can certainly email Betty in our office, betty at institute.org, and she will get them to me and we'll try to get them on the show for sure. Now, please remember, you can find the show notes for this specific episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number one, two, three. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And Monica actually mentioned a book that I haven't heard of before, and I'm going to check it out. And again, we list all these resources at civilengineeringpodcast.com. So until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors.